welcome to a posher tournament in a tea break from the from the wonderful uh, love sport officers uh i'm ros satar and i'm joined as always by anna smith thank you for having me as our, always our fed cup doubles player extraordinaire and uh <laughs> hopefully will never see me play tennis ever after after my comeback i most definitely will we're going to be arranging <laughs> that hit very soon while we're talking about hits they keep on coming of course it's the u.s open and uh, it's just gotten underway we're on the second day they've been a bit delayed with rain <laughs> they've got one roof we've got two we're not bragging or anything is it only one yeah did, I, so I thought one of them got covered as well Lu- um, they might did have Louis Armstrong get covered I think I so they might have um, I think if Pliskova was playing on there they started her on there as I was coming in but uh, by all accounts from uh, colleagues out in the out in the states it's going to be a very long day today it's stop and start rain all day so it could be quite trying I feel like it's Wimbledon all over again <laughs> but at least um, at least they've got the biggest stadium in the world with Arthur Ashe so they're going to get a lot of spectators who can come in and watch so that should be it a, should. one benefit at least except their first match was Nishikori oh <laughs> <laughs> quite yeah. my thoughts entirely oh. but before we get onto that let's go on to another Japanese player uh, Naomi Osaka of course started her campaign yesterday bit of a faltering campaign as well she found herself very swiftly down came back then found herself you know losing the second set and had to scrap for, for the win um, first round nerves well I think I read I read an interview and she said she was so nervous she hadn't experienced anything like it. So I guess all the emotions that she had from last year probably came flooding back and, you know, it must be quite stressful. She comes back the first time trying to defend a slam. It's, you know, it's a big thing for her and she obviously hasn't probably got the best form leading into this. So it it's going to be stressful and, you know, she she's going to want to do well here, but, it you know, it's it was a great thing for her that she managed to get through and I think it probably is only going to do her good for the rest of the tournament I mean it's interesting that you say stressful prior to that the biggest uh, title that she'd had to try and defend of course was Indian Wells which is plenty big enough they like to call themselves the fifth slam Um, but she's had a rocky time you know it's almost like she loves the playing tennis she hates being in Europe so on behalf of our continent we apologize but you know it's it's just been really up and down from I'm glad that she backed up the chaos of last year with the Australian Open win but even then she seemed to be a little stressed out in the the final I I just feel that we're going to have a bumpy ride with her for the remaining six or so matches I think that's just her in general isn't it she's very emotional and you can kind of see everything's written on her face and you know she said earlier in the season that she really struggled with enjoying the game and and she just kind of fell out of love with it a little bit so you can kind of hope that she's rekindled that love for it and and just enjoying being back out there and if anywhere is going to make her enjoy it it's going to be Arthur Ashe Stadium again and being defending champion and and if that doesn't sort of make you love the game then I'm not really sure what is going to but um, I think she was really happy to get through that one yesterday and and it's probably going to give her a good foothold in the tournament we're hoping talking of another one that's probably fortunate to get through and another uh favorite in many people's books to to win was ash barty i mean her first set left me baffled <laughs> one six it was like you know it's like she'd forgotten how to tennis i mean obviously normal service was resumed but um i mean barty's like the the anti osaka nothing seems to phase her and even even if she doesn't she's like she's all hakuna matata the sun will rise tomorrow you know it's it, it 
it just seems that she has that pragmatism that maybe stepping away from the game gave her. And you you wonder whether that's something that Osaka will con- consider at some stage if she can't regain or rekindle her love for it. But how how do you get that though? That's the thing. I, I'm not sure Osaka and and Ash have the kind of same personality. I think if you take away Naomi's personality and her emotions, I don't know whether you have the same person who expresses themselves on the court like she does. And then if you kind of gave Ash Naomi's, it's, you know, would it, would it take away from both of their games? And I just can't see Naomi. I think to some extent she, when she grows up and, and gets older and things like that, she will start to control her emotions a little bit better. But she's had so much happen to her in the last year, you know, kind of from Indian Wells to suddenly winning the US Open, kind of out of nowhere. And then all of a sudden the Australian Open, it's she's suddenly become a superstar overnight. And it's a lot to deal with at such a young age. And especially for someone who doesn't like the spotlight. I remember... I was in, I think it was a couple of years ago, we were playing in Tokyo and she had to do the speech. I have never in my life seen anyone more awkward doing a speech in all my life. I literally wanted to get up there and help her. It was so cringe. And having to do that week in, week out, day in, day out, in front of millions and millions Mm. of people, I think it's just kind of her getting used to it and acclimatizing to the level of fame that she's got and the expectation now she's not an underdog anymore she's the one who's going to be gunned for week in week out and that's that's hard to deal with and it's very big change of mentality so I think she has done well it's just still you know acclimatizing to that role that she has now yeah I mean I wonder whether it'll be a double-edged sword that she regained the world number one coming in because it's quite nice to have the two defending champions at the top of the tree but, you know, pressure can do funny things. But anyway, she is safely through. Um, but there has been a fair degree of carnage in the women's oh, side. Oh, shock horror. <laughs> I know that it's quite a surprise, but um, I think the two two notables for me, I mean, both and both have had, like, iffy years. Uh, two former champions, Sloane Stevens and Angelique Kerber, stand out as, um, you know, high-seeded exits. I'm not necessarily sure we'd call them a shock, but... You know, you'd expect better from 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 champions, but they both had horrific years. Yeah, I think yeah, I think it's kind of a little bit synonymous with Sloane how how up and down she is. You always think that when it kind of gets to these big events, that she's going to be able to turn it on, but just really just couldn't find her game yesterday and and really struggled. But Angie just seems to really be struggling and just not really sure where to go. She looks a bit lost at the moment and she kind of needs to find a little bit of direction and get back to what made her world number one and Wimbledon champion. So I don't know what it is she needs, you know, obviously, I don't know. A new coach. coach. Yeah. <laughs> but I think someone asked her about whether she'd have Torben back. And obviously he's working with Donna Vekic and it's going very well. So He's obviously not going to want to move. Donna's not going to want to lose him. So, you know, it's trying to find someone who's got a little bit of fresh impetus, can give her that hunger back. And the thing with her is that, you know, if she's 1% off, she doesn't have as many weapons as someone like a Serena or Mm. someone like that where they can sort of bludgeon their way through. You know, if she's not in peak physical condition where she's moving incredibly well and hitting the ball like she can you know, she's going to struggle because at the end of the day, she's just a, a kind of counterpuncher. And if she's that one second slow, it's going to make a massive difference to her game. It just seems a little bit that, that that's kind of what's happening at the moment. I mean, it was it was baffling because obviously Mladenovic had a back issue, 
Kerber steamrolled in the second set and then whatever painkillers they'd given Mladenovic, they kicked in and her fighting spirit as well. And, and, you know, all of a sudden, and it was gone in an instant because I thought Kerber looked home and dry. And you're right, she seems to, what she reminds me of is Joe, when Joe had that slump year where she would start fast and then suddenly lose her way and have no idea what to do. She's she's kind of lost that, that sense of winning ugly, you know, just getting the win no matter what. I I don't know what will fix it. No, I'm not sure either. But that was that was something she almost kind of prided herself on the fact that she could win ugly. You know, she wasn't gonna let anyone get past her. You know, she'd make that last ball. And I think it was when she played Serena in that final. She was just literally balls that would have gone for winners. She was getting back like no one else could. And it just seems that she, yeah, like you said, she has lost it that little bit. And it's just, I don't know whether it's a physical thing, a mental thing, a combination of the two, but it just seems that there's something that's just not quite there. And it's the hardest part is trying to pinpoint what it is and what's going to make the difference because she's not the type of person who doesn't work hard. But if you're working hard on the wrong thing, you're not going to get it back. So I don't, I don't know what the answer is for her, but yeah, I think she needs a coach and just a little bit of direction. On the subject of Serena, the match that everybody thought was going to be the popcorn match, I, I'm i going to be honest, I'm going to hold my hands up here. I did think it was going to be a lot tighter than it was for two reasons. One, because they're both a lot older, um, certainly you'd hope a lot wiser, and also they've been through so many injuries, I just thought it would be a war of attrition and whoever was the fitter would come out. But I was astounded at, at I mean I had to giggle at Serena's game face at the photo this poor kid beaming with smiles at being on the court with two legends <laughs> Serena was just deadpan completely it's on and as soon as she got that first break I thought right well I'll get an early night's sleep then what was what were your thoughts I, I wasn't shocked to be honest the fact that um it was a bit of a one-sided contest I thought I think it's just the fact that there obviously is no love loss between the two of them so the fact that she found out she was playing Maria first up, you know, night session on Ash, I think it couldn't have almost been a better draw for her. Um, you know, she said, I read something where she said that as soon as she found out, she just upped that level of intensity in her practice because she knew she had to be on it. And, and it really showed. And, and that's the thing is when Serena turns it on, no one gets close to her. And that's what she showed. It's it's just a case of she's going to have to bring that to every single match, not just when she's playing Sharapova first round. That's the thing. But, I mean, I wasn't shocked by the result at all. I thought maybe it got, would have been a little closer, but, I mean, Sharapova's had a shambolic year so far and yeah. there wasn't really much she could do to, to hurt her. No, I mean, what what got me was um, Serena's level of returning. I mean, everybody talks about Serena's serve, but I think people don't give enough credit to the fact that she's also one of the best returners in the game. And she was just... She just shut Sharapova down. There was nothing that, that anything coming over that net would, would do. What do you reckon? But Sharapova has always had a little bit of a shaky serve, hasn't she? She's always had kind of problems with that second serve, with shoulder injury. She's sort of always gone for two big first serves, essentially. And I think it probably plays into her hands a little bit. She can just use that pace and she's so compact on those returns. And and she just uses the pace of that Sharapova serve. And, it, you know, it's, it's not a weapon as it used to be. And, yeah, like you said, I think her returning game is probably a little bit underrated but she literally just sits on that baseline and just slaps those returns and when she connects with them and she's feeling it there's literally nothing you can do 
So on to the men then. Um, we've had a few uh, surprises. We've lost um, two of the young guns that many people think are the, the princes in waiting, if you like. Dominic Team and Tsitsipas, who went through. <laughs> Tsitsipas's match was like a full-on Greek tragedy. It was marvellous, but not for any, any reasons that were good. Um, but again, you know, I mean, we, we've said before that you can't really see past the big three. And this just proves it. What do they need to do? Um, to to have that kind of impact on a on a slam, they just need that consistency. I think it you know it's all well and good, you know, team having a run to the final of the French Open, but if you can't back it up week in week out, it it's irrelevant. And that's the thing I think all of these young guns. I'm not I'm not really sure how team can still classify as <laughs> young guns to be honest. But um, I think anybody under the age of thirty at the moment. Well, probably yeah, counts. if you look at Rafa, Roger, and Novak, I guess so. Um, but you know, I think it's it is that consistency, and you just I think we're blessed with the generation that we live in to see them literally performing at their highest level pretty much week in week out. It's very very rare that you don't see them sort of at ninety percent or above. Um, we obviously saw it with Roger when he lost to Rublev, but then you know it wouldn't surprise me if he goes on and wins the U.S. Open. It's kind of it's irrelevant for him that loss and then I don't know but you just can't look past and they just looked I mean Rafa and Novak especially just looked pretty clinical and Roger obviously had that slip up in the first set but then but then he's had that a couple of times hasn't he at the US Open where he seems to just have a dodgy first set but then he manages to pull through and then sort of railroads the rest of the draw yeah I mean it, I'm going to put it down to rust because you know We've seen with Rublev taking out Tsitsipas that to lose to Rublev isn't isn't a surprise because at the moment the Russian players are, are just in a massive resurgence at the moment. Um, but yeah, this rustiness of his, I mean, I suppose you could want to cut him a bit of slack. He is 38 after all, but um, there's nobody better, I think, though, that, that plays themselves into form. What I tend to find is that Nadal is great with people that he's supposed to wipe the floor with. But once he gets in deep into the second week and he gets gets like the top 10, top five, that's where you're going to see a, a loss. And it's not a it's not a shock loss because there, there probably isn't much of a disgrace to lose to somebody in the top five. Uh, whereas Roger and Serena, for that matter, we were talking, they, they seem to have been expert in building up form. You know, you have to win seven matches in two weeks and they've been expert in playing themselves into form. What's what's the mentality behind that? <laughs> if I knew the answer to that, I think I'd be a millionaire or a Grand Slam champion. So I'm not 100% sure. But I mean, you kind of look at, at Rafa and and the way he was so clinical. I think... For him, the most important thing is just getting through quickly in terms of just making sure that the body's in good shape. But the way he just he just goes through opponents, it's just phenomenal. And, you know, he was just so clinical the other night and he looked good. But, yeah, like you said, it, he does get a little... It's more prone to a loss as it gets a little bit further on. But then I feel like once he's had two, three, four matches, he's got that match tightness again and he, you know, he feels good. I just... I'm more concerned when he obviously plays against Novak and, and Roger. That's when he looks a little bit more fallible. But with Roger, I don't know. It's it's one of those tough ones. Like, you know, we do have to come. Since, like He's 38 years old, for God's sake. And, and the level that he is still playing at. And we have to bear in mind that the guys he's playing at, they're not bunnies. They're, you know, they're, <laughs> they're playing in a grand slam. Yeah. So they, 
you know they can play lights out tennis for one set and if he's just not on it it's just it's one set but then good luck to anyone trying to do that with three sets against him yeah. and um you know i think he he admitted impressed that the guy played well in that first set and he just wasn't quite feeling it it was a little bit rusty and then once he got his groove and got back into it you know he his class showed and i think that's the problem with these guys they they know how to navigate these tough situations and you know, if they do lose that first set, there's no panic. Whereas, you know, someone maybe like a Zverev, a team or something, they're kind of like, oh my God, I'm the favourite here. This is where their mentality is maybe a little bit different. They mm. quite haven't quite got that champion's mentality just yet. And I guess that comes with years and years of winning the biggest titles that they don't really have under their belts. And uh, years and years of titles, years and years of uh, of first round exits. For, for Brits at slams and um, unfortunately <laughs> you know we, we're, we're down to two out of five um, Harriet Dart's match was against a fellow qualifier but she just against somebody that's got a lot more experience than her and I think it showed but I think it was a great run for Harriet to get into the main draw I think if we look at her year so far how she's done at the slams I think she's got to be incredibly proud of what she's done and I think this is a big stepping stone year for her and, and she's going to take a lot of confidence from from obviously what she's done qualifying in Australia and then qualifying here doing well at Wimbledon as well so I think you know she's really got to look at the positives and obviously the match on Monday probably wasn't quite how she'd wanted it to go and there are probably things that she could have done better but at the same time she's making steady progress and and that's kind of what I think she'll be happy with and you know, hopefully she can take a little bit of form into the rest of this year and, and really start next year strong because, you know, she's she's been performing well and you, she's shown on the big stage that she can handle the pressure and it's just getting that experience, I think, a little bit that she's lacking on the big stage and, and that just is just going to come with matches and on these occasions. Yeah, I mean, you know, she, if, you have, if you look at... She, she did really well in Australia and then just got thumped by her idol, no less, Maria Sharapova. This was a far better, tighter match. Just unlucky, I think, that Bogdan is a, a little bit more consistent in general. Um, on to uh, the, rest, the rest of the Brits that went out and we'll, we'll give uh, <laughs> Joe and Dan their, their due. Um, two five-setters, two, I think, very different um, sort of matches same outcome I saw Norris as a real heartbreaker you know he he did so well to come back and to lose in that tie break was 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 just desperately sad whereas Edmund just capitulated at the end he had a break in in that decider then just lost three games in a row um what is wrong you know what's going wrong with with Carl let's start with him first again uh, <laughs> He'd probably employ me as his coach if I knew the answer to that. But it, again, I think it just all comes down to, I think for him, it's a lot down to fitness and, and being able to have that, that kind of the training block behind him, the the lack of matches as well that he's played. And, and obviously the, the kind of form and the losses that he's had have been quite close. And I think those kind of maybe have scarred him a little bit. And as soon as he gets to those close occasions, he kind of goes into a shell a little bit more. Whereas, you know, when he's free flowing, he's very extravagant unleashes that forehand big serve is going to hit over the backhand but it just doesn't seem like he's quite like that as soon as he gets a break you know he kind of goes into a shell a little bit he doesn't he's not as expressive as he was when he was feeling confident and going for his shots as much and and that's kind of the the frustrating thing in a sense is that 
he's not going to win matches by doing that. At some point, he's going to have to say to himself, well, I'd rather lose playing more expansive tennis that's actually going to get me somewhere if I can keep doing it. Whereas if he keeps kind of going into a shell, it's just going to end up being a vicious cycle, I think, because these guys at Grand Slams are not going to give it to you. You're going to have to go and work for it. And and him playing passive is just, it's just not going to cut it. And, and that's what's surprising me is that um, <clears throat> I never really put him as a particularly passive. He's not the most demonstrative person, right, I'll give you that. But on the court, he's a very different person to, to who you see in, in press afterwards. And we have seen him pump himself up and, you know... But he, he always does look very awkward. Um, it looks like somebody sort of like pumping himself at a school disco. It's just not quite. It's not quite. It's not quite Nick Kyrgios. But then you know, it. You know, he. We know he can do it. He did it in Australia last year. You know, we know he can. He can pull together those results. It's just I think he needs some stability in his coaching. Um, and we spotted. Well, I spotted Colin Beecher uh, in his in his. In fact, I haven't seen Mark Hilton with him. So I wonder whether there's a slight change there. And it probably takes time to get to to groups to a new coach so um and nori i think uh, this was the best i've seen him play on the hard courts this this um summer and you know great fight for him to come back um but his tie breaks are just abysmal <laughs> yeah. um you know both of them were quite one-sided um it, i felt desperately sad for for nori I, th- I thought that this was a winnable i thought he actually had the best draw of the lot um, but it just shows that a qualifier coming in has an awful lot more confidence. Yeah, they massively so. It's, you know, getting used to the conditions and the balls and the courts and everything like that. It, it is something that's kind of maybe underestimated a little bit. You just sort of think, ah, you're playing a qualifier, it's fine. They're lower ranked, but it is very rarely the case that, that it is like that. And, you know... The guy was feeling confident, playing well, and uh, you know Norrie did well to come back. But like you said, he just played poor tie breaks, and and I think that's probably the thing he'll be most frustrated with because he did so well to come back, and it was just a shame that he couldn't, he just couldn't quite get it going in those tie breaks. And I think he'll look back on it with a little bit of regret. So we do have two Brits in the singles. Uh, first up will be Joe Conto when the rain stops. Um, her draws actually eased up a little bit. She did have Marketa Vondrusova in the third round, potentially. She withdrew with a wrist injury. She's got Gaspar Ryan next, and then we'll, then we'll see who she's got. I think maybe if she can get past Gaspar Ryan nice and simply in two sets, that might give her a little bit of confidence. But to come through that tough match with Kazakina surely must be a boost. Well, yeah, I don't think she's been necessarily playing the best on these hard courts, and like we said last week, I think if she can string a couple of wings together, then, you know, she's a whole different kettle of fish. And I think she's one of the the really dangerous ones in the draw outside of sort of the top sort of five, six seeds. Um, but it's just a case of trying to get through those first couple of matches. But Gasparian's not going to be a walk in the park. You know, we saw how well she played against Svitolina at Wimbledon. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't say this is going to be an easy match for sure for, for Joe, but... If she can kind of show that fighting spirit that she did against Kasekina, then, you know, Gasparian's going to have to play well to to get past her. But I think knowing Joe and knowing her mentality, she's just going to take it one match at a time and just focus on every every single point and what she has to do. And I think that's going to stand her in good stead. And let's finish with Dan Evans. He came through a, a tough match as well. He seemed to be he, he seemed to be channeling his inner Andy Murray, with lots of monologuing, lots of <laughs> gesticulating and yelling. I, I've got to be honest. I do not know how he didn't pick up uh, either code violations for coaching and for language. 
um, because there was all of that going on. And this was when he was winning. I, you know, is he has he suddenly started to put pressure on himself? You know, the cheeky chappy who doesn't seem to sort of bother that much seems to really get things on you know on his on his back when he's playing now, which which we never really saw before. Maybe it has something to do with Felgate not being in his corner. I don't, I don't know. I didn't see who was in his box this time. Um, Leon was. There. Was it Leon? And yeah, I think I think and I don't know who else. So, I mean, it could it could play a little bit of a part, or it could just be that you know he he's probably one of the most competitive people that I know, and he hates losing. So, and I think he's a bit of a perfectionist. <laughs> I heard he said after the match, he was just like, "Well, that was not a match for the crowd to watch. It wasn't very good, <laughs> and all of this stuff." And he, he was just brutally honest and was just like, it "Really." It wasn't great. I just somehow managed to win. My serve wasn't great. My forehand, I think, wasn't great. So, you know, I think he's going to be one of those who, who is happy to win, just get through the match. But you know, he's going to want. He's one of those guys who wants to play well and wants to show off and and show what he can do. And it probably just was a little bit of frustration and putting pressure on himself. You know, he wants to. He's. I think he's made a third round a couple of times mm-hmm. in, in the two previous occasions he's played. So. You know he has shown that he can play well on these courts, so I think he'll he'll have high expectations of himself and and would want to reach at least third round and maybe even more. So I wouldn't see it as necessarily a bad thing that he's kind of gesticulating and getting frustrated with himself. It, it's kind of pretty much any tennis player would do that. It's, there's very few, you know. Roger Federer is probably the only one who is able to keep those emotions under check, and if he's playing terribly you know you still won't see it maybe a little bit but I think for the most part you you know tennis players we we have to let our emotions <laughs> out somehow so he's got Luca Pui who hasn't been in the best of form I you know I think if the if he can drag this out to four or five sets I think the longer it goes on the better his chances yeah I think so too I think he's got a good chance I don't think people enjoy the way he plays because he obviously can mix up with that slice backhand you know he He's just, he'll happily go in there and not miss and then, you know, try and come forward. He's got that variation. And I think Pui's a little bit one dimensional, <laughs> potentially. So it's I think. so pretty with it. <laughs> yeah. He, yeah, very true. But um, I think it's something that, that Dan's going to be able to use to his advantage. And, and that slice backhand, I think, will be key. And I think just being able to mix it up a little bit, which Pui can't do quite. He maybe is a bigger ball striker, but I think that that variation could be crucial. And if. If he can maybe just play a little bit better than he did in that first round, I, you know, I, I have high hopes. I don't have any expectations. I just have high hopes that we could sneak a Brit into that third round. So, do we think that when we when we regather here next week, we're going to have the two Brits in the draw? <laughs> so that will that take us to quarterfinals? Oh, I, uh, hand on heart, I'd be shocked if Dan made the quarterfinals. I think there's potential for Joe. I do think so. You know, she's shown in the past that she has the potential to make slam semifinals and, and she knows what it takes. So I think if she can get on a roll, I, again, I'm not putting any expectation on her at all, but I see there's more potential there for her to, to potentially get there. And uh, let's finish up with who do we see? <laughs> I know you love predictions. Who do we see for for this time next week? Um, big three on the men still happily ticking along? Yeah, I don't think there'll be uh, any shocks with those guys. I think, I think that yeah, I would. Yeah, I'd be very, very surprised if if they weren't still in the draw. Um, just don't see anyone getting past them. 
And on the women's side. God. Ask me another question. Um, <laughs> okay, well let's 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 try and narrow it down. Do we see Osaka making it? Do will we be talking about Osaka next week? I'm hoping so. Okay, Barty. I, I think I don't know. I just have this weird feeling about Barty. I think she either could go and win the whole tournament or just lose the next round. I don't. I just don't know. I'm not. I, well, I wasn't convinced after that no, first round. No, she's so. not filling me with confidence. Like over the last couple of weeks, she hasn't filled me with complete confidence, but. Then again, she's so cool, calm and collected that, again, she could just easily turn it around and, and kind of switch the form on. And so, again, she's she's one of those that either way wouldn't surprise me. Uh, I and mean, if we stay with those top four seeds, Pliskova had a bit of a scare as well. You know, do we do we think we'll be... And she's still doing a... Even though she had a scare, we're still doing a, a under-the-radar bit. She's in action today. Uh, and Halep, how do we think that... Do we think we'll be talking about them next week? Ooh... Um, I think Pliskova, yes. Halep, <gasps> no. Really? Yeah, but I mean, let's be honest, I'm probably going to get that <laughs> one. So I, would, I, wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't say that I've got too much uh, clout when it comes to predictions. I think, I think Serena will still be there and I think she'll be the one to beat. Okay, well, let's see how we get on next week. As always, thank you so much for, for joining me. It's been an absolute pleasure.